Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Something for the Turbo. I hope you are well, wherever in the world you are listening. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do subscribe to the Something for the Turbo podcast. Tell all your cycling friends, leave a review and keep spreading the word. We appreciate the support and make sure you download the Unfound app. You can find it in the App Store or on Google Play. Join the global community of cyclists and share your rides, photos, stories and connect with other cyclists from around the world. I also wanted to give another shout out to Friends of Unfound. This is a non-paid advert, but Roebuck Estates. If you're thinking about treating yourself to some sparkling, very fine sparkling wine this festive period, make sure you check out Roebuck Estates. You can find them at roebuckestates.co.uk. That's roebuckestates.co.uk. They've got some special offers on there. It's magnificent stuff and just wanted to give them a shout out. But yeah, it's a real treat if you want to treat yourself this festive period. It makes a great gift too. Anyway, today I was very lucky to catch up with the recently retired and absolutely wonderful Lucy van der Haar. We spoke about her career from entering the sports through riding penny farthings to becoming a world junior road race champion twice. From then making the transition, the difficult transition to elite women's racing, riding for some of the biggest teams in the world, including Argus Shimano and Wiggle High Five, and finding happiness with Norwegian team high-tech products. We discuss her decision to retire, her views on women's cycling, her career as a whole, where she wants to ride now she's retired, being married to cyclocross superstar Lars van der Haar, and lots, lots more. It's a really interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's crack on. Lucy, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? You well? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Thank you very much. Muddling through. Where in the world are you at the moment? Are you back in the UK? Or are you in Holland? I'm in Holland at the moment. Yeah, stuck in Holland. So I think I'll be here for a for a while yeah I mean I live here anyway so it's it's uh it's fine but it would would be nice to go back and visit the family <laughs> yeah I know difficult it's very difficult times for everyone at the moment particularly for people with family all, all around the world it's kind of crazy and and how how long it's, it's been six weeks now since you hung the race wheels up yeah yeah it's, yeah time flies actually but no I've not I've not really done much on the bike since uh since my last race in Madrid I've just kind of you just took no, took some time off and yeah, I've been on the cross bike a bit with my husband, uh, just messing around. But no, it's quite nice to just uh, relax a bit and I've started up running as well. So uh, just trying new things, which is she's good. Yeah, definitely. And, and do you feel, I mean, we'll come on to the retirement in more depth, but I mean, do you feel, has it been difficult to sort of come into a winter and think, oh, I can actually sort of relax and do some stuff that I've never done before now or are you still sort of processing it yeah I think a bit of both really because obviously you're so used to doing exercise every single day and having to train and you kind of get into your own rhythm that you get up you know you do your training and and then you're pretty much resting and now it's kind of like yeah I'm I'm waking up and I'm I'm still wanting to do do something just because yeah, yeah you're so used to so used to doing it but at the same time it's it's so nice as well especially yeah in the winter you know when you look outside and it's absolutely thrashing it down in five degrees that I can just be like oh I don't have to go out now so uh, <laughs> yeah that's quite a nice feeling. Having said that though you can't exactly sort of completely walk away from the uh, world of elite sport because obviously your husband is still getting up and, and getting out isn't he you're, you're married to obviously Lars How, how's he getting on? Yeah, no, he's doing really well. Yeah, for him, it's like, yeah, full full gas at the moment and uh, full focus on the season. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit strange because, but we've had this now since we've been together that, you know, I'm in my off season when he's, 
yeah completely focused and and the same way around but no it's going well and it's quite nice for me now as well that I can help him out a little bit more so like I'm doing a bit of motor pacing for him throughout the week and uh yeah just stuff like that which I wasn't able to do um when I was yeah competing Um, yeah yeah on the on the motor for a change yeah yeah it is when, when it's not freezing otherwise oh I think hour 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 and a half my max and then I can't feel my hands anymore but no it's it's nice to uh help him out a bit as well very good now let, let's let's go back to the beginning a little bit and uh talk through how you sort of got into the sport and and, and your journey so you're from Leicestershire in the UK originally yeah correct. yeah yeah and I think we should probably tell everyone a lot of people will know you with as your maiden name as well right uh, Lucy Garner is, yeah is your main name if there's any confusion there and then so when did you start riding how how did that sort of come about yeah so my grandparents both raced which is pretty cool um and then my dad always yeah he's always ridden his bike to work and things like that and yeah I tried so many different sports like I loved pee at school and you know I did football I did running and swimming and kind of everything and then my dad was like right let's uh you know uh see if you like cycling but first I actually started riding a penny farthing because uh my my parents were involved with in a veteran bicycle club so uh that was kind of but yeah so that was kind of how it all started we used to like get dressed up like in proper veteran clothing and go out on either the tandem or the on a really small penny farthing which I got I think for like my my eighth birthday or something and then uh, my dad yeah and then my dad was a bit like oh she you know she's doing quite well on this so let's uh, move her on to a mountain bike and that's kind of where uh, yeah it all started oh very cool that's amazing and <laughs> do, you, do you remember your grandparents sort of riding and racing and uh, did you you probably missed their racing years but did, did they they were a big influence in, on you getting into cycling were they yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean my grandma she passed away when I was young so yeah I didn't get to sort of experience that with her but my granddad's yeah still around yeah he loves it that you know that me and me and Grace both uh, were cycling and he always couldn't believe that me and Grace were more sprinters because he was more of a time trialer and yeah actually we're terrible at time trialing so uh no but it's nice uh, that yeah he was really sort of proud of us and uh yeah whatever races he could come and visit then he did so uh that was nice that's amazing and Grace is is she's two years younger than you is she is that right if I remember yeah nearly three actually yeah nearly three years younger okay. so yeah yeah so the two of you obviously grew up cycling and, and I'm sure pretty pretty competitive as well right? I've got two daughters with probably a similar age gap so I know how how um competitive things can get between the two of them <laughs> yeah yeah it was it's funny actually because yeah when when I used to live uh, back in Cosby with with Grace and my parents we were well I was very competitive and uh yeah actually like ever since I moved to Holland our relationship is so much better than what it was when I actually lived at home which is quite funny but yeah I mean it's I think it's quite normal isn't it when you have someone that's doing yeah you your brother or sister's doing the same kind of sport as you there's always that rivalry but uh no it was always like good rivalry and we always pushed each other on so that was good yeah it's awesome it's awesome so what uh, because I mean it all, all came very quickly for you so did you start riding with a club how did things sort of develop and progress and when did you start racing yeah so I started uh just at my local yeah last year off road club and then uh 
I started with mount, mountain bike, but that quickly uh, moved to cyclocross and onto the road. Yeah, and then it was just more like getting stuck in with the, yeah, I used to race at Mallory Park every week and yeah, doing the local uh, cyclocross leagues. And that's where it all sort of, yeah, started. And my parents were brilliant. They, you know, they brought me and Grace everywhere, you know, up and down the country. They were so supportive. So, uh, yeah, they kind of like, yeah, <laughs> changed their life for us, really. And, uh, yeah. It's interesting you say that. I think that's often a, forget- a forgotten sort of a key ingredient in the recipe is having the support of your family to sort of trape around the country and, and just be there to pick you up when you fall. And did you feel that was a key part of your early success, the sort of support and care that they, they put into your recycling? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like without them, I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't be sort of sat here today. And I think, yeah, it is. It's just like they were there every every step of the way. And I remember as well doing like sessions on, this is when I was a little bit older, doing like turbo sessions. And my mum was there with a the stopwatch, you know, cheering me on, telling me when the efforts are starting and finishing. And yeah, like the amount of, yeah, support that they gave gave us were, was amazing. And uh, yeah. I mean, they gave up their weekends to stand in a muddy field and uh, cheer us on. And when we came back oh, yeah. crying because our hands were so cold, you know, they were always there. So, no, definitely like, yeah, they don't get the credit, but they, uh, yeah, they were really, yeah. really great. But as, as I said, it's, it's a recipe of, of lots of different things. And obviously you've, you've clearly got incredible natural ability and, and talent as well. Was that sort of clear from a very early age when, when you got into cycling that you could do stuff that others couldn't? Did you, did you notice that or it sort of developed as you developed? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I, I always loved sort of the technical side of cycling. So I was always, yeah, I just loved the courses that were really technical and I think that's when I kind of realized oh you know I, I'm, I'm quite good with you know bike handling and stuff like that and my sprint is driving right <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and uh then uh yeah I mean I've never been a real strong rider and I think that's always been one of my weaknesses um but I've always been quite good at positioning and kind of hanging on for as long as possible in that in that sense and uh yeah I think from an early early age I kind of knew that I could sprint quite well and uh yeah, yeah and then moving on to the track as well you kind of that became more clear that I was more of a more of a sprinter rather than uh rather than kind of like the time trial effort so uh and that's what I enjoy doing as well like I've always loved that you know kind of the thrill of the the last kind of 5k where yeah, people call me crazy, but it is where you near, you know, you just about nearly crash it and almost. But yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love about about sprinting. <laughs> yeah, it's top end stuff. Really, it suits you, right? It comes to you kind of yeah. naturally, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick thinking and uh, yeah. Because you've done. I mean, obviously, you've announced your retirement a few weeks ago and and still relatively young and and lots of we talk about where, what what the plan is next to look forward to. But you've also done so much. You've had quite. A, a varied career talk, talk us through what it must have been like I mean obviously double 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 junior world champion right I mean wh- where, where were you outside I mean were you still at school at the time how did you manage things I mean it must have been incredible to have that success at such a young age and then sort of still still growing up in many ways as well right yeah yeah I mean yeah I was still at school and it, yeah it was strange because we went to the world championships and obviously I'd done international races beforehand but but kind of just in Holland. So, it, you know, you don't really know where you, where you stand with, with the world. Um, 
yeah we went there and obviously you train hard for it and you know you know that you're in good shape but I never thought I could be world champion so uh yeah winning winning the first worlds was a massive surprise and uh yeah that's where it kind of all began to you know get a bit serious and uh yeah then the pressure you put quite a lot of pressure on yourself as well because obviously you were first year and it was like it was incredible that I could wear you know the world championships jersey for a whole year um but then you then you come back to the second world you're like oh no now I've got to you know try and uh defend it so uh yeah it's yeah it's funny I yeah I think I'm probably most proud of the second world champions just because yeah I just put a lot of pressure on myself for that and then uh yeah yeah to be able to to win it for a second time yeah that was yeah that felt incredible yeah has it ever been done before I mean were you the first person to double up no so Nicole Cook also won back to back yeah and Amelia Didrikson I think she did it the year after me was it yeah so uh but no it was yeah like I said yeah it feels like a lifetime ago now like yeah does it 2011 was the first one wasn't it so it was quite a long time ago, really. Yeah, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just so obviously you won the first one and then obviously a lot of pressure you mentioned b- between the first and second. But I mean, were you still studying then? What What did your week look like? How, were you getting pulled left, right and centre? You obviously sound like you put yourself under a lot of pressure. How, how did, I know it's going back a little bit now, but it's just so fascinating to think that you're performing at such an elite level where you're still evolving and still studying and probably in some ways living quite a normal life outside of cycling as well right it's such an oxymoron in so many ways yeah I think yeah definitely before the first world I was kind of still I was serious you know I never I never really went to parties and things like that but then definitely after I won that then I was a lot more serious and strict with myself yeah you know which is quite normal and uh but I do look back now and I think oh you know I wish I could have just told my younger self like just to relax a little bit more and uh you know enjoy enjoy that time of your life as well but no I mean yeah it's just uh how kind of how it how it all uh planned out and uh yeah I mean I I pulled out of school going into so second year a level a levels and then yeah I just concentrated on cycling um I never yeah I was never great at school and I could never I never found a subject that I really kind of enjoyed or anything so um, yeah my parents were really supportive in that and they they said you know what let's you know you can focus on on your cycling and you know if worse comes to worse you can always go back to school and that's kind of how how I saw it as well um, you kind of only maybe get this one chance um, as a oh. as a cyclist to make yourself professional and uh, yeah, yeah so I just went for it <laughs> Absolutely, went for it, and and what an education in its own right, right? I mean, traveling around the world, living around the world, the self discipline that comes with it. The I mean, there's so much that I think that it gives you. But so, so obviously, you you won the set your second uh, juniors, and and is that when you signed for Argos Shimano? Yeah, yeah. So after that, yeah. I signed uh, yeah with Argos. And, and talk us through the transition in terms of juniors to seniors. How did you how did you find that? I mean, it's, it must be quite daunting. And how did, yeah. how was that for you? It was hard, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm quite open about it now. Like, I think it was probably the hardest couple of years of my life. 
um, physically, yeah. but also, yeah, mostly mentally, because it was kind of the start of my relationship with Lars as well. And then I was moving, yeah, from the junior ranks to, you know, a massive team like Argos Shimano, you know, it was, it was huge. So, yeah. yeah, I was going for, yeah, in like a few months, I felt like I was, yeah, a child and then I had to be an adult straight away. So, uh, and then I decided that I'd moved to Holland as well, which was also hard because me and Lars were only a few months together, but we thought, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, so how did you guys meet? Um, over Facebook, actually. It was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, funny, yeah nothing really special but it was just yeah I can't remember really what happened I think I might have added him on Facebook and then yeah then we got chatting and then and then I think he came to watch me race uh in Holland and then and then that was it really so it all it all went pretty quickly so uh you got yeah. all that going on and then and then the racing and it's obviously to, 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 how was that racing in the first year for you yeah it was really hard yeah I'm not gonna lie because obviously like my last my last race, I won the Junior World Championships. And then my first race, I think it was like Omloop at Newsblad. And I remember going into the first climb and I was just dropped immediately. And then yeah. I was just like, oh no, like what What have I done wrong? Like, have I not trained enough? And yeah, it, it's, it's not a very nice feeling, you know, getting dropped. And uh, yeah, I think that took quite a lot out of me mentally that that yeah. first you know those first few months because you know you had trained hard but obviously you have to realize that you are still young and, and you're jumping straight into yeah you're jumping sort of straight into the deep end so uh yeah but it did it t- did take a while for me to kind of realize that do you feel that you had the support off the bike in terms of mentally just with regards to that transition I'm sure you you, you lent quite heavily on, on Lars as well but did you have the support just through that that time um yeah I mean obviously family and friends completely 100% and I think I don't know it's it's hard in some ways I did and I feel like in others you know you just I always felt there was this pressure there and especially because you know you have the likes of like Mariana Voss who won the junior worlds and I think she you know went into straight into the elite and won the elite worlds kind of thing so there's always that you know pressure of oh she should be good or oh why is she dropped already and I think that also played quite a big part for for a few years really because yeah maybe you know I didn't develop or yeah progress into the rider that people thought I was going to and that did play in the back of my head for quite a while and it's only really the last couple of years that I've accepted myself as you know the rider I am today and you are yeah yeah and that's how I've you know I really enjoyed the last two years of my career because I you know I accepted where where I was and who yeah what kind of rider I am but no definitely I think yeah I did feel a lot of pressure yeah the first yeah well that's so it that's so obviously it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself as well and I think like it, it, it's so hard to be expected to, to perform at, at certain levels when you're still figuring out who you are as an individual I mean I, I've often said on the podcast you know, I don't really f- feel that I figure out really figured out who I was till I was 30 so you know it's, it's difficult to go through that and then sort of be trying to perform week in week out at the same time yeah yeah definitely like it was it was it was really hard uh yeah a hard you had some good early life. success though with with August as Shimano as well, right? You had some pretty good results in, in the first couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it came to the courses, you know, that suited me, um, 
yeah. you know, then I could really get stuck in and that, you know, it was nice. I could, I won a stage um, out in China and that, that obviously gave me more confidence. And uh, I just realized, you know, then that you are the type of rider you are. I, how do I say it? Sorry, I'm, I'm terrible with this because I speak Dutch quite a lot now. So now my English is terrible. So I forget, I forget words. So, uh, so if my English is bad, then uh, sorry. No, but uh, you still, you've still got the accent now. I've got, I've got a good friend who, who I was at school with actually. He's been in the Netherlands for, for oh, I don't know, since about 2000. And he... He speaks English, obviously, still speaks English, but he now has a Dutch accent, which oh, is really, really bizarre. Yeah, I just yeah. love just, just my sentences. My parents are like, what What are you saying now? Like, it's, that's not English and it's not Dutch. So, yeah, sorry about that. No, but uh, I can't remember what I was saying now. Yeah, you've got to figure out, you sort of figure out the courses that suited you. Yeah, and, and, um, yeah. But, that kind of program so it was, it was two years there and then obviously the big move to to, to wiggle right yeah wiggle, wiggle yeah. High five. yeah yeah that was it. yeah so I was with yeah I was with Argos for three years and then wiggle for three years yeah, so, uh, and, yeah. and I remember reading somewhere that, that wiggle was was tough just because it was such a vast squad and am I right in saying that being the kind of rider you are you like to race and and you weren't racing as much as you you want to did I get that right yeah yeah no that is right and I think you know with Wiggle, it, it was like that. There were so many good riders on the team. And obviously, I wasn't one of those good riders. So um, then you do get less racing. And, you know, it, it is fair. But, yeah, the type of rider I am, I do, you know, I benefit from racing more. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I got I gained a lot of experience and definitely from all those riders, the races that I did do, you know, it was great. And it really helped me um kind of develop almost as a domestique as well and the importance of you know helping helping the lead riders right. out in in the early parts of the race and that kind of made me a real good team player and uh yeah I did enjoy that I really did enjoy doing that but I think you know it would have been maybe nice to have raced a little bit more and especially in the final being a sprinter you know you kind of gain as much experience as possible racing those finals so uh yeah when it did come you know a couple of years into wiggle and then I was in that position where I had to sprint then it was a bit like oh you know I've not been here for a while so uh yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. do lose it a little bit yeah I get that I get that because yeah particularly you mentioned you get you get the buzz from that sort of last 500 meters right and if you're not putting yourself in the mix there week in week out it gets it gets probably a little bit sketchy yeah yeah definitely I think it was it was kind of like I was I was doing these races that were not really suited for me so then I was just I had the job of maybe covering in the attacks in the first sort of 30 40k and then that was job done and then of course then you don't get that race the race distance in your legs either so then my race was kind of over because you you know you'd work so hard then you can't follow then after after that so you know I was going to the races and kind of only doing like 40 50k which you know isn't enough yeah and then I, I guess your fitness yeah, it doesn't really progress then when you when you're just doing that. It, it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's, so so how did things sort of wind up with, with Wiggle High Five? You obviously moved to Norwegian team next, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with Wiggle for three years, and I did. I loved it. Like it was a great atmosphere. We all got on so well, and I just loved having my sister with me as well, Grace. That was like yeah, sure. that, yeah. We had a lot of fun together, and then uh, yeah, and then it was just obviously Wiggle was Wiggle was stopping. I think weren't they? I think they that's when yeah so everyone had to kind of look for new teams anyway and I guess 
at that point, I was a little bit like, I'm not sure what I want to do next. Because I feel like after those three years, I I don't know, I, I, I wasn't really where I wanted to be as a cyclist. And I wasn't sure where where I was going. And then kind of Carl came along from high tech and was really positive and, you know, really believed in me. And he wanted me to be in the team and, you know, be their sprinter. And I think that gave me that spark again of something like, oh, you know, this will be really cool, like to be able to kind of be a lead rider again and, and get those, uh, yeah, get that feeling again of being being in a finish and uh, sprinting yeah. through results. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was really, before, really pleased. Before you signed the contract, I mean, what were you? What were your sort of options then? Obviously, he came along and sort of put that proposal, which was attractive to you. But were you thinking about stopping then, or what? 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 what where was your head at? Yeah, no, I was thinking about stopping yeah. then. But yeah, I still wasn't completely ready because I feel like I hadn't, I hadn't finished what. Yeah, what you kind of started cycling for and. Give right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. I had more to give, and I, but I, I did. I wanted to take that step back, and I think after being with Argos for three years and Wiggle, you know, they're massive teams, and yeah. I think I really needed, you know, that slight step back and to be put into the smaller races and to just have someone be like, you know, we just say, you know, we'll put you in the final, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it doesn't matter. And I think that's really what I needed. And that's what high tech gave me. They really gave me the chance to chance to find myself again. And yeah, I'm really thankful of that opportunity. It sounds obviously 2020 has been a, a bit of a turbulent year for, for, for the whole world, really, and not, not just yourself. But it sounds like you found happiness racing again with the team over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the first year was was great. You know, I got got, got to race all the races I wanted to do. And it was also nice to get stuck in again just just race and uh and race some finals and then obviously yeah we came into 2020 and I I did a really good winter like I said to myself I kind of already had it in the back of my mind anyway that I, I could stop after this year and I, really? okay yeah yeah I kind of knew in my head and that's why I wanted to give absolutely everything over the winter to really you know see where I could get myself and and obviously going into Dubai and winning that, that was amazing. Like I didn't think that was possible. I know, you know, the level wasn't, you know, as high as when you come back to Europe, but it, it really gave me and the team, you know, that confidence. And uh, it's just yeah, a shame uh, that Corona came along. But uh, no, that was that. Yeah, I haven't had that feeling, I think, since I was kind of a junior. So that, yeah, it, I was really emotional after after winning that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. A fantastic win. And obviously that meant meant a lot to you as well by the, by the sounds of things. Yeah, it was. And I think, you know, yeah, I just trained so hard. And uh, I thought, come on, if this is your last year, let's give absolutely everything and do everything you can. And uh, yeah, just to know that that hard work was worth it made it, yeah. you know, even more sort of emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, fantastic. And then obviously you mentioned the Corona came along and you finished up six weeks ago in Spain, weren't you racing in Spain? Six yes, weeks ago? yeah, yeah. And I mean, it must be quite nice. Obviously, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts in terms of why retire now because you're still relatively young. But to, to then to sort of call time on things on your terms must be quite nice for you. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think it's funny because before doing Madrid, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's fine. You know, now it's over because it was obviously like on and off whether it was actually still going to go, go ahead Madrid. And I was kind of in my head, you know, it's done now after kind of those races in Belgium. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need it really anymore. I don't, you know, for me, it's fine like this to stop. But actually, I'm so pleased that it did go ahead because I really had that you know that feeling of you know this is it now and yeah I just wanted to make the most of it and I'm also really pleased you know with kind of the results that I I got there and uh yeah it was just a really nice way to finish finish everything off and what was the sort of major drivers behind the decision to to hang the wheels up yeah I think it's just I just didn't have have the the passion for it anymore I yeah, yeah, I just lost. Yeah, I, I I just lost the love of racing and and training. And I think a lot of people came to me. Well, I mean, I didn't tell people that I was going to stop, but I just told close family and friends. And you know, they supported me, but they also were like, the first question was, "Yeah, but do you not think you should carry on because you know this year you've not, you know, had the chance to actually race because of Corona and everything?" But for me, that that made it even more clear that I, I don't I didn't miss it I really didn't miss the racing at all and I just loved riding when I wanted and doing what I wanted and you know when we knew what the race calendar was going to be for this year I that's when I started to to dread it again and like oh no now I've got to do this I've got to stick to this plan and I've got to you know this is what you've got to do and I just uh, yeah that rather than right rather than yeah 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 that's what it is so uh that's what I mean like I still enjoy riding my bike and that'll that never go away because it's just my lifestyle that's the you know I've done it for my whole life but it's just on my own terms now and that's what I really enjoy just going out when I want to and uh yeah that's uh awesome that's, yeah. good on you <laughs> so what what's what's the plan so you, you, you're living in holland with with lars obviously Where, whereabouts in holland are you um so in the middle it's yeah a small village called waldenberg but it's close to amersfoort Pe- yeah people know where normally know where that is but it's just the center of center of holland yeah excellent and what's the plan what what's or, or we sort of sort of taking a bit of time out and then sort of deciding what to do Where, where's your head at, at the moment yeah so I a year ago I actually started my own yeah completely different but started my own uh, home salon so I've been doing that for a year already part-time working because yeah in the back of my head I knew kind of knew that I was going to stop so I thought right I've got to find something uh, that I enjoy doing so uh that's what I'm doing now as well I'm just working now part-time uh in my own salon and then um yeah aside of that yeah just just enjoying a bit of downtime really and just yeah, yeah making the most of uh having a bit having a bit more freedom and uh yeah just uh enjoying some downtime <laughs> oh that's great and and Lars hasn't tried to persuade you to to give get back onto the cyclocross bike <laughs> yeah yeah a, a little bit, bit a little bit no Maybe. not racing but uh yeah, I mean, I go out with him and it's funny because I went out with him a few weeks ago and he always said, oh, you know, you sh- you always should have carried on racing cyclocross because he always yeah. says, oh, yeah, but I don't know, I really enjoy it and yeah, it's nice to be able to go out with him, but yeah, racing's obviously a different story, but no, I think, uh, no, I'll just continue doing, doing a bit of everything really, yeah, 
and see uh, having fun on the bike and then supporting yeah. with him with his racing how's his year kicked off so far it's going really well yeah he's uh yeah, yeah he's he's had some really good results so uh yeah obviously it's been a strange year for him as well and he didn't do any uh road races leading up so he was a bit unsure of his fitness but uh I think that's also something that I admire about Lars is that he's he, he's very very uh, determined and he doesn't really need the racing. He's very strict with himself and he had a really good winter training on his uh, summer training on his own. Sorry and uh, yeah, no, it's paying it's paying off. So that's nice to see. Very good. And and obviously you mentioned you got the salon there that, that you're involved in and working with. Do you think you'll continue to be involved in cycling as well, or you you want the sort of total break from it no no like I will I will continue uh yeah being involved with uh with cycling and also next year I will be yeah it's not really yeah I don't know it's not really like an official thing but I will uh be an ambassador for Cannondale because their Brilliant. offices are actually are in my village so uh that's yeah really really great so I can just pop in uh whenever I want and that was actually one of my first race bikes, the Calendale. So uh, yeah. yeah, it would be nice to nice to stay in cycling, but kind of in a different way. So uh, I'm excited yeah. for for that. Oh, that'd be good. I'm sure there's lots of lots of adventures coming up as well. And look, I mean, I think you've had you've had you've had such an interesting career. You've done so much. You've been somewhere. You've raced all over the world. You've raced with some of the biggest teams in the world, and obviously double junior world champion as well. I'd, what are your sort of views in terms of? I mean, think women's cycling has come a long way since you, you got into it. Like, where, 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 what are your views in terms of where it's at at the moment, and and how do you think things can be improved? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, it has improved a lot since I started, and yeah, I just it's so professional. Like I always say, it like women are so professional, and you know, are so uh, yeah, it is. I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but I yeah. I mean, it has progressed so much and, you know, there is a still long way, still a long way to go. And, uh, you know, there's a big, everyone's still talking about, you know, the, the salary and everything. Um, so hopefully there comes a point where women cyclists don't have to work alongside because I know, yeah, there are still a lot of professional, well, yeah, elite women that are still having to work alongside uh alongside performing. And, you know, it is tough to do that, you know, if you want to compete at the highest level. Um, yeah. you don't want to be on your feet feet all day or all evening uh, doing another job so uh, yeah it would be nice to see uh, that change over the next few years so yeah. yeah we'll just have to wait and see I mean everything you know it takes time and I understand that you know it can't change overnight but I mean it, yeah it's getting better year by year you see that it's getting better and also you know a lot of the big races you know like Paris-Roubaix that would have been amazing to have had that this year so I oh, hope that that was still still remain and uh yeah we'll see where it goes <laughs> yeah very good so obviously continuing to evolve and the salary thing is, is key but I mean if you if you were sort of at the head of the sport what what would be the immediate changes that you might consider to to make if you could yeah it's, it is hard to say but I mean yeah it would be nice for most races to be more you know on tv I yes. think you see it now as well with like cyclocross I think you know it's it's going pretty well there with the women especially with the you know the start money and the prize money um and obviously they're they're on tv every week and I think I've looked at some of the stats of that like more people you know watch and are more interested in the women than men so uh you know it shows that it, it's there and people want to see women cycling uh so hopefully that really? can uh, 
that can uh yeah be like that on the road as well just get more more publicity definitely and i think we've obviously cyclocross has done very well with that and you mentioned there's huge interest in it i mean i think when you're in the peloton do you feel that that was almost one of the biggest frustrations because i think that you know from little what little women's cycling we do get to watch it's often super exciting racing as well it just seems such a shame that it doesn't get the coverage it, it probably deserves yeah definitely and i think you know a lot of the men say this as well like you know they have these mega long stages but you know people people aren't really interested in in watching the first few hours of them because they're just sat there, you know, barely peddling any watts. And then, you know, the last part of the race, obviously that's exciting. But with the women, you know, it is, is, is really exciting. And uh, yeah, I hope that that can be shown more on TV because, you know, we do, we race really well and, and strong and uh, yeah, we've got a lot to show as well. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I think the, the, the tide is slowly changing. I think that it's uh it's a complex sport in terms of its structure and lots of lots of different parties with their own interests, which obviously I think sometimes slows down the the, the progress that we'd probably all like to see, unfortunately. Yeah, no, so but in, I think yeah. In in terms of, of, of yourself now, you've got a bit more flexibility and freedom and opportunities to go and enjoy riding a bike. Obviously travel's a bit a bit, a bit difficult at the moment, but where's on your to-do list in terms of taking the bike and going exploring and where do you want to go and see yeah actually it's funny because me and Lars were talking about this because it's kind of like the first actual holiday that we're going to get when he's in his off season because normally we can never go away together and the first place we wanted to yeah we just want to go back to the UK and we've said this we just want to do a whole tour of the UK that's like on our and our to-do list and then you know we take the the cross bikes or mountain bikes with us and just do some uh do some routes there and yeah I, you know I, I think Italy's gorgeous I think yeah training out there and riding out there is amazing so yeah, yeah. I don't know really yeah racing as well that you've you've I suppose when when you go to a race you probably don't really get to see it other than the race obviously but you're probably in hotel to start line to race to finish to next hotel or flying out whatever there must be quite a few places that you've been to but not really seen that you're quite interested to get back to yeah yeah I think obviously like being a, a road rider it it's a lot better than say a track rider because I remember when I was on the track like you would literally only see the route to the track and then you'd be in the track and I mean every track looks the same doesn't it so at least with the uh, like road racing you are racing on different roads and you kind of do get to see if it's not full gas you can look around a little bit and uh take in where you are but no it it will be nice to kind of yeah explore the places yeah that I've been racing but now in a, in a different way and uh yeah so I haven't really thought about that about track cycling you're probably literally velodrome to velodrome you yeah. probably see nothing else <laughs> no exactly yeah you could be anywhere in the world actually you wouldn't really know yeah <laughs> Yeah, very good. Look, have, have I, is there anything else that I've missed or anything else that you wanted to, to sort of bring up or discuss? Or? No, I don't think so. I think that's, yeah, that's uh, my life, yeah, at the moment, yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, we wish you all the best with, with whatever comes next. I'm sure you will have great success with it. And I'm sure lots of exciting, exciting things lie ahead uh, uh, as well. In terms of just sort of finishing up, like your favourite day on the bike, is there one day that sort of stands out? Is it that second world, Junior Worlds or is, is there another day that sort of stands out as your, your favourite day on the bike? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe even the first Worlds just because it was so unexpected and because my granddad... Yeah, 
yeah yeah you, you really had no no sort of inkling that you might be in with a shout yeah exactly and because my granddad was there as well so that made yeah. it like even more special so I always yeah, see he's like my lucky charm so that's probably the best day yeah yeah oh, I've had okay. <laughs> very good and funniest thing you've seen on the bike oh the funniest thing I've seen oh I don't know you on the spot you're now, putting right? me on the spot now i don't know what's the funniest thing i've seen on the bike i, I mean if someone asked me that question i wouldn't be able to answer it so no. don't worry if no sorry i don't know no the foot yeah i shouldn't i probably shouldn't laugh but when someone throws a bottle and instead of uh throwing it in the hedge they throw it directly at someone's head i shouldn't laugh about it but they <laughs> i've seen that a few times so uh <laughs> we'll go with that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not ideal awesome look thank you so much for for taking the time to uh, have a chat really it's been really good to, to hear your story and yeah it's been great to connect and stay in touch when you let us know what you're up yes. to and what you're doing yeah i will do thank you for having and, me <laughs> oh not at all and we'll, we'll speak very soon i'm sure yes thank you brilliant <laughs> thanks lucy bye. Bye. bye thanks for listening please subscribe to the podcast And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.